Pat Vitucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fatucci, with over 30 years experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. Our special guest today is Gene Chatsky. Gene is an award-winning journalist, best-selling author, and motivational speaker, famous for her ability to explain money and invest in a clear and accessible way. She's the author of four books. We're going to talk today about her most recent book, Make Money, Not Excuses, a Wall Street Journal and New York Times bestseller. Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I used to make an awful lot of these excuses myself. And when I started realizing that I was hearing them from all the different women in my life, I'm too afraid to get going with my money. I'm too disorganized. I don't have time. I thought, boy, there's something in here. So I sent an email out to a lot of my colleagues and my girlfriends and my mother and my cousins and said, essentially, what are your excuses? Add them on and then send this around to all the other women in your life and tell them to send it back to me. And I got hundreds of emails. And what was so shocking to me, so surprising, was that the excuses were the same, whether they were coming from Montana or Texas or Florida no matter what age woman I was hearing from. And I thought, boy, I better figure out a way to write about these and tear down what are essentially psychological barriers that we are putting in our own way so that we can start working our way toward a better financial position. But isn't that why women get married so they can delegate this boring stuff to the husband? Isn't that the husband's job these days? Isn't that what mom and dad did? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Somebody needs to smack you. That is an incredibly (laughs) dangerous thing to do. Whether you're a husband delegating to your wife or a wife delegating to your husband, we all need to know how to manage the money because 90 of us will at some point be in a position where we are on our own. And you don't want to be learning this behind the eight ball. You want to be able to do it before you have to do it. What about this? I don't have time. I'm too disorganized. There's other things that are much more important than managing my money. Not necessarily. If you are managing your money, essentially you're giving yourself the opportunity to do what you want to do in life. And you're giving your kids the opportunity to do what they want to do in their life. And it doesn't have to be the kind of experience that takes all day or drives you crazy. 
we're fortunate that we're living at a time when there are an awful lot of technological advances that can help us do the things we have to do in a lot less time. So you bank online because that takes less time. You don't have to run to the post office anymore when it's time to pay your bills. We get a lot of boomers listening to this show. I'm too old. It's too late for me. You know, how do All right, you respond? so you're a boomer. Okay. And if you hadn't started investing at this point, I would still say you got 40 years. We all have to plan these days for the scenario that we could live to be 100. And that means we've got market exposure well into our 80s. We should be working and putting money away for many of us definitely into our late 60s. For some of us, if we are starting a little bit late into our early 70s. But if you're starting late, it means you have to save more to catch up and then move ahead. And fortunately for us, there are provisions in the tax code that now allow us to, in a very tax-efficient, tax-advantaged way, put away sizable amounts of money that can help us in our retirement. Your Chapter 6 I found kind of interesting. Chapter 6, I have nothing to wear. Don't bitch about it. (laughs) What's that all about? It's about shopping. How many times have you ever found yourself saying, you know, I am having a lousy day. I'm going to go out and buy myself that. I'm going to go shop for big screen TVs. I'm going to go, you know, if you're me, you're having a bad day, you want to go buy shoes. So the key is realizing that your emotions are in control and that your mind is not in some of these instances and doing what you have to do to remove yourself from the situation that so that you don't end up spending money that you don't have. This is my wife's favorite. I can deal with money. It's investing I can't stand. Is there a difference? There is a difference. Investing, particularly now, it's very, very frightening, but you have to be in it because if you're just leaving your money in checking or in savings, you're not earning enough to keep yourself ahead of taxes and inflation. I can't tell you, and I used to do this myself, I can't tell you how many people have too much money sitting in checking. If they just moved it into a position where they were taking a little bit of risk, you have to take a little bit of risk, they would be so far ahead in the long term. So is this book predominantly focused more towards women? This one is, not all the books that I've written. In fact, this is the first one that I've written that is so focused on women. Are women just not interested and are they less responsible? We've come to the party a little bit late. We are just catching up when it comes to earning money. Today, about 30% of women out-earn the men in our lives, but that is relatively new. And I think because we are only now coming into our own as bigger earners, we are now only feeling like we want to step up and start taking control of the money or even that we deserve to. Taking that first step, which includes coming in for a no obligation consultation, would you agree that's a first develop a roadmap to where you want to be in the next oh, three, five, seven years? Is, whether that, you, is that the first step? Whether you come in or whether you do it with the help of a book or a magazine, a plan is really, really important. You need a plan. You need to know what you want your money to do for you. And once you know that, then it's easy to map out the smaller steps in between where you are now and how you're going to get there. So just like if you don't like cutting your grass or washing your car, you outsource that to somebody else. A lot of folks, male or female, seriously, just hate looking at this kind of stuff. Radio folks come in and they plop a bunch of unopened envelopes and say, here, please open this. I have no idea what it means. I can't stand looking at it. It's 38 pages of gobbledygook. So outsourcing is what you're suggesting if you're not prepared to do it. But somebody's got to do it. Like your teeth, if you ignore your 
teeth, they go away. If you ignore your money, it just doesn't grow for you. No, I'm with you. I'm a big believer in the fact that somebody has to do the work. And if what you know about yourself is that you're not the kind of person that's actually going to step up and do it, by all means, get some help. So you are a public speaker. You go around the country sharing your story, and I'm sure you've got lots of specific stories that you've met with women and men, I'm sure. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I wrote this book largely because I made so many of the mistakes, and I heard so many of these excuses come out of my own mouth over the years. And managing your money, I mean, you know this, it's not rocket science. It does take a little bit of time and energy and effort. And it's not a responsibility that our generation has the luxury of being able to shirk. Our parents, our grandparents had corporate pensions. They had health benefits that they knew were going to last forever. They had social security and confidence in the system. We don't have any of those things. And so it's up to us to really say, I am going to deal with this. I'm going to put it on my list and I'm going to make sure that I take care of it because taking care of it means taking care of myself. It means taking care of my family. And it's just one of those things that we have to do these days. Gene Chatsky, make money, not excuses. Wake up, take charge and overcome your financial fears forever. If you have any questions for Gene, or you would like to take advantage of that no obligation consultation, one triple eight plan wise. That's one eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Gene, congratulations on your book. Best of luck to you. Thanks very much. Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Don't invest and forget. My special guest today is Steve Strauss. Steve's often called the country's leading small business expert. Steve's a lawyer, an author, and a USA Today columnist. His latest book, The Small Business Bible. He's been on CNN, CNBC, MSNBC. Steve, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being on. And congratulations on this volume of literature you've written, almost 500 pages. I uh, have been writing my online column for USA Today for a dozen years now. It's a Q&A column. Just the nature of that is I get a lot of questions and feedback and input from small business owners and entrepreneurs, and I love sharing those ideas. And I also do a lot of speaking around the country, in fact, around the world. I'm always meeting with small business owners. So what I try to do in the book was put together the very best tips, hints, ideas, strategies that I've come across, that I've used, that people I know use, people I hear from use, and share those and share them in a way that's accessible. So much business writing tends to be a little dry, a little boring, and I try and avoid that. I think owning your own business is one of the most fun, passionate things you can do, and I try and, and convey that in the book you know, so people can learn something new and find it easy to read and entertaining at the same time. Well, I suspect the Bay Area is like any other large metropolitan area. We have a lot of small business owners who tune into our show each week. I suspect a lot of talented folks are saying, you know, maybe it's time I get into a business on my own. Choosing the right business, you talk about it in Chapter 2. What's the right business? Well, when you talk about you know, owning a business in San Francisco, that is near and dear to my heart because that is, in fact, where I started my career. I, my first law job out of law school was with a big firm on California Street, and I had a small law practice there. And I think really it's all about what it is you love to do. There's really two kinds of small business owners. One is that person who loves something so much that they want to do it every day. Maybe they're, they're a gardener and they want to open a nursery. Fantastic. Go for it. Do it. And I can I teach people, hopefully, in a smart, prudent, intelligent way, but go for it. The other kind of small business owner is somebody who just loves the idea of being their own boss. And that's an equally fantastic and good reason to do it. 
And for that person, an example might be Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon. Now, when, in 1992, when he discovered that the Internet was growing at 2,300% a year, he started thinking, wow, what, what can I sell online that would translate well? And what he finally analyzed and figured out was that it was books. Now, he didn't have a passion for selling books. I'm sure he, of course, later got one. But his passion was about starting a business, an Internet business that could be successful. So there's, that's really the two kinds of things people could do. Find something you love to do and want to do it every day or find a business that you think is going to do well and, and that there's a big market for. Either one of those can work. So kind of mixing your avocation and your vocation. If you don't have passion, you shouldn't even wake up in the morning. Is that right? Especially if you're going to own your own business and you're going to put the time into it and you're going to love it. It's going to be like your baby. Boy, it's got to be something you love. Uh, the worst thing to do is to create a business that is challenging. and Well, it's going to be challenging and fun and exciting and hard and all those things. The one thing that it shouldn't be is boring. You've decided to start your own business. You've found your passion. You've found something that really lights up your face in the morning. How important is this business plan that you speak of? Well, I think a business plan is pretty critical. What a business plan is, is it's your like a flight plan, right? It's your plan for how you're going to get from point A to point B. A pilot would never leave San Francisco and want to get to New York and not know what direction to head in, how much gas he's going to need, what the weather conditions are going to be like, what challenges might crop up along the way, right? That's his flight plan. Well, the same thing is true for your business. Before you jump in, you want to think it through thoroughly. How much money am I going to need? Where am I going to spend it? How am I going to beat the competition? Who is the competition? Boy, if you think those things through first, well, that's going to make a big difference because then you're going to have an idea of where you're heading and, and what you're trying to accomplish and what challenges you might meet along the way. and You won't be as surprised and you'll know what you, what you need to do. My special guest today is Steve Strauss. Steve recently wrote a book called The Small Business Bible, a very successful book. If there's any questions for Steve or if you'd like the no obligation consultation opportunity, come in and talk about your small business or a full financial plan. One triple eight plan wise, that's one eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Steve, I guess to start a business, credit or some bucket full of money is real important in addition to having some sustaining power, having the ability to weather the first 6, 12, 18 months in this time of tough credit or if you've been downsized, you're blessed with maybe a six months or year severance. Talk to us about carrying costs in those early months and early years. Well, you do definitely have to be intelligent about your money and find the resources and the partners who can help you. But the good news is there are all sorts of friends to small business out there right now. Websites that are going to teach you stuff, of course, books like mine. The Small Business Administration is one of the great friends your business can have. And if you're looking to get some money, you know, the new stimulus bill put a lot of money into the SBA to help lend more money to small business. And also there's all sorts of big businesses, big corporations out there who want to help us succeed. So the good news for any small business who's starting out or even has been around for a long time is that there are all sorts of friends out there who can help small business. And the important thing right now is to find them, seek them out, and, and let them help us. Probably the most common call to small business people is how to delegate some of those functions that A, they're not terribly good at, B, they find boring, and C, it's a delegatable kind of function, and the hourly rate that that function requires is smaller than being the entrepreneur. Your view that entrepreneurs get stuck in the mud with trying to do all the jobs all the time, and therefore the visionary that they once thought they were for that company, you get muddled down in all the minutia. You are preaching to the choir, brother. I do think, and I know that far too many small businesses spend too much time working in their business than working on their business. That's that great line by 
Michael Gerber in, in his book, The E-Myth, about how small business people end up in the minutia. And it's a mistake because what your business needs is for you to be, as you said, visionary. And they can't be visionary every day, but you can be a lot more than you typically are. I can, most any of the small business can. One way to do it, of course, is to delegate. And the good news about the economy from that point of view is there's a lot of great help out there. I put an ad on less than a year ago for a new assistant, a person who was going to help me with some details of my business, help me run my website, do stuff that I can't do. And I got, I couldn't believe, I got so many qualified applicants. And the, the woman I hired is just one of these 20-somethings with mad skills who can do all the things that would take me forever to figure out, you know, with software and learning my, my website and adding stuff and whatever it is. It's amazing to me. And, you know, it doesn't, really doesn't need to be expensive, but what it does is free me up to do what I do best. That's what any small business should do. Boy, get some help. That, that help can, doesn't cost. It pays because it's going to let you grow your business more. That's going to make a big difference, I think. Do most entrepreneurs say, wait a minute, I can't afford to take on a payroll person or I can't afford to bring on an assistant or a secretary or a clerk? Do you kind of get myopic in your view of what you should spend money on and what you should not spend money on? That's very accurate. You, you can and you do. And, and fear is kind of a kind of a tricky thing that way. One of the smart things anyone can do right now is use some of these tools I've been talking about. Go pick up some software and not just pick it up, but learn how to use it. If you spend 15 minutes a day right now learning how to use it, inputting your data, doing it right, it's going to save you so much time down the road. You're going to have great records. It's going to make a big difference for you. There's all sorts of programs that are designed to help you run your small business smarter, more efficiently, uh, and help you make more money. And if you take advantage of those tools, then you're going to be a far more successful business person and you're going to free yourself up again to, uh, to do what you do best. You're going to have more time and it's going to make a big difference. Please let me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines. Our special guest today, Steve Strauss. Steve is the country's leading small business expert. He's a lawyer. He's an author, USA Today columnist. His latest book, The Small Business Bible, we're talking to Steve about how to run a small business? Should I start a small business? Do I have the passion to start a business? So, okay, see, we've got the passion. We've got the excitement. We've built a business plan. How do we get the word out about how good we are at what we do? Advertising is pretty darn expensive, Steve. It can be pretty darn expensive, and it can be very, very affordable. The good news, though, is that you can learn how to do it, and you can get people to your business. Too many small businesses think, and I think it's the essence of your question, that they can come up with a great idea, get some money, start their business, open the doors, turn on the website, whatever it is, and people are going to flock to them. But really, the truth is owning a business is kind of like being alone in a dark room. You know you're there, but no one else does. How are you going to turn the light on and let everyone know you're there? Well, the only way to do it is through your advertising and your marketing. And so you have to be aggressive in both those areas. The Small Business Administration estimates that you might want to spend 10-15% of your revenues on advertising. I think that might even be a minimum, but it's not a question really of how much money you spend, but how much time you spend and how smart you are about your advertising and marketing. There's all sorts of ways to advertise and market your business that don't have to cost a fortune. Right here we are talking on the radio. Weekend radio, a great bargain. Overnight radio, a great bargain. You can and nevertheless, on a great station like this, even weekends and nights, you're getting fantastic numbers, yet it's not going to cost you a whole lot. You know, 25 different ways people can market their business without breaking the bank. And it's everything from simple ideas like how to, you know, like writing thank you notes. Who gets a personal thank you note? 
these days, it actually makes a big difference. Two, high-tech ideas like search engine optimization, pay-per-click, that kind of thing. The important thing is that you, you use all sorts of different tools in your arsenal so people are hearing about you, reading, seeing your business name in a lot of different areas, and that's going to attract attention and get people in the door finally. So everybody's got a website these days. It's like years ago, if you didn't have a fax machine, you weren't a real business. Now the big thing is if you have a website. But advertising, the fact that you have a website is really the big key. People just don't trip over your website because you've put thousands of dollars in, into the creation of a website. There are a zillion websites, and how do you get yours to have more traffic through it? Right, but let me before I even get to that, let me tell you a, an alarming statistic still don't even have a website. How amazing is that? I just can't believe it when I've read that. I've read that several times from different sources. My brother does a lot of marketing for different clients, and one of his clients last week said, hey, Larry, could you make a website for me? The guy has been in business for 20 years, and even today didn't have a website, but you don't have to spend a fortune on creating a website. There's all sorts of tools out there that allow you to make one without spending a whole lot of time, without spending a whole lot of money. It's not that difficult to do today. And you're absolutely correct when you say you can't just put your website up, but you have to let people know that your website, is just like your business, is out there. So it should be in all of your marketing materials. It should be on your signs. It should be in your email address. It should be on your stationery. It should be on your, your business card. And then you also have to do the online tricks, search engine optimization, which all that really means is having key words and key phrases that people are going to search for on your website. So when they search for Solomon Freestyle Skis, you have a web page about Solomon Freestyle Skis, San Francisco, and boom, people are going to find your website. All that, that's a key phrase. If you put those kind of key phrases through your website, your website will be search engine optimized and people will find you. That's important, doing it in your traditional uh, marketing and advertising. Steve, let's shift gears. You mentioned Gerber's E-Myth. I've read that book a number of times. I think it has a lot of good stuff in it. Michael Gerber talks about working on your business, not in your business. And that really brings to the point of hiring the right kind of people, training and motivating the right kinds of people that have the same vision, have the same philosophy, but can bring new and creative ideas to supplement your ideas. Is that one of the keys to going beyond just you, your first employee, your second employee, your third employee? How critical is that? Yes, and you want to find people who share your vision, who are what I call coachable. You don't want to bring people in. Yeah, you want to bring smart people, even smarter than you people, fantastic. But you also want people who are coachable, who will listen to what you have to say and, and implement your vision. You are, after all, the boss, and you have an idea of, of where you want to take this business. So if you can find teammates, uh, and it doesn't even have to be employees, how about just getting a board of advisors? This, this is something so many small businesses don't do but should do, and that's just get not a board of directors for a corporation. Maybe you're a solo practitioner or you're a you know, couple employees, but you can nevertheless get a board of advisors together, your lawyer, your accountant, maybe some business advisors, some friends, and bump ideas off of them and, and get feedback from them. And how do they see your business? Because they, how they see your business is going to be different than how you see it. And the ideas that they have might be fantastic ideas that you never would have otherwise thought of. So getting some teammates, either via employees or, or your advisors, can really make a big difference, I think. You talk about in Chapter 30 of your book, 
Do you buy a franchise? Do you start your own shop? I read where the success rate on the franchise side is demonstrably higher than going it alone. Of course, there are costs associated with buying a franchise and then some royalties, some haircut along the way that they're going to continue to take. What are your thoughts on the franchise or starting your own thing? Well, I, I do like the franchise model a lot if you find the, the right franchise partner. And the truth is not all, all franchisors are created equal. Some are great and they're going to help you a lot and they have your best interest in mind. And some are not. Some are more interested in selling the next franchise than they are in helping their franchisees, right? That's the people who buy the franchise, helping their franchisees succeed. This is what I tell people whenever they think about looking to buy a franchise. The most important thing you can do is your homework. Talk to as many current and former franchisees as you can find and find out what they think of the business and how much money can you actually make and how much time does it take? And is the franchisor a good partner? And do they really help you? And do they live up to their promises? Because there's far too many franchise lawsuits and you don't want to be part of those. So if you do your homework and find people who will give you honest feedback, then you're going to go a long way to making a, a good choice. And then you can succeed. And the great thing about a franchise is that you're, you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. You have a team around you who can help you. That's the kind of thing you, you want. My special guest today, Steve Strauss. Steve is the author of The Small Business Bible. It's a nearly 500-page book, chock full of information. If you are even considering starting a business, buying a business, buying a franchise, a very captivating book, lots of things that Steve's thought about over his entire career. Listen to Steve on CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, and he is a regular columnist in USA Today. Please let me emphasize that tax and legal professionals are not a part of staff, but we refer to professionals versed in those disciplines. If there's any questions for Steve, or if you'd like to come in for no obligation consultation, telephone number one triple eight plan wise. That's one eight 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 P L A N W I S E. Steve, thank you so much for spending some time on our show. And again, congratulations on a very well written book. Hey, thanks so much. You know what I love doing is sharing the best ideas I come across with small business owners and helping them save some money and make some money. What I really want people to do is be smart about their money right now. Use it wisely. We're all going to be good to go. Any questions? Triple eight plan wise. That's eight 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 P L A N W I S E, or don't invest and forget dot com. That's don't invest and forget dot com. Steve, thank you so much. <laughs> You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat Petucci program guests and Craig Roberts are not affiliated with Proxy Freedom LLC or United Planners Financial Services unless otherwise noted on the show. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom is not liable for any third-party content. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Advisory services offered through Proxy Freedom LLC, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.